Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Already His Workmanship podcast. Um, we're recording on a blurry-eyed Friday morning for my friends Dell and Logan. Uh, they've had long weeks. Um, I'm on the East Coast, so it's like mid-morning for me. Uh, thank you all for joining. Today, we're going to do uh, another week in fear. And this one today is the fear of abandonment. Um, for those of you out there that were like me, that had, um, really unpredictable parenting, you never kind of knew where you stood with your parents, um, or whoever was like your primary raisers, like, like they moved the, moved the target around all the time. Like I talked about a couple of weeks ago where, uh, you know, uh, you can do this when, uh, you've done accomplished this and you accomplish it. And then they say, Oh no, 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 that didn't count because of X. And they change what the rules were. Uh, all kinds of those things are part of it. Um, uh, or you had parents who had some type of, uh, mental thing going on, PTSD, some other type of issue that kept them from being the parents they they needed to be for you. And so they just weren't there or you actually were abandoned by a parent in some way. Um, children of divorce have this a lot too, because, you know, one parent ends up not being to be able to be around um, through all the complex things that happen with divorce. Right. So um, there's a lot of things that go into these uh, feelings that we have. Right. Um, and there's also a subsection of us who are the black sheep where um, the family was highly dysfunctional and all of the dysfunction of the family was expressed through the behavior of one child and they're like the black sheep. But what they are really, what those people like me are, are the symptoms of the broken family unit coming out in one person's behavior. You know, it was really hard for me initially in recovery um to accept that i wasn't like this fundamentally terribly broken person that was like you know like completely unworthy of everything um because that's what i internalized as a child because like i was the problem in the house um but that's not actually the truth right i wasn't the problem i was the symptom that was coming up right it's the you know you have brain cancer and you have a headache and being like like mad at the headache, right? Well, it's the tumor in your brain that's causing the headache. Like my behaviors were a uh, were a function of the dysfunction of the family unit, caused by uh, the parents and their communication style. So, um, you know, I had to learn to grow from it and change and take personal responsibility for how I dealt with life once I became an adult. But in those time frames, like that, would like I wasn't a problem, right? The problem was the dysfunctioning family unit. So um, really deep dive into there, into the psychology portion of it. Um, what I wanted to focus on, though, is this feelings we have as an adult um, around this fear, right? So some of the things that happen uh, when we are facing the fear of abandonment, uh, we feel insecure, we become caretakers, um, we avoid being alone. We feel rejected really easy. We become codependent. We worry excessively. Um, so, um, you know, and 
uh, we experience these patterns as children and then we choose a partner in our lives that'll let us kind of do the same thing um or we like you know we're just comfortable in that chaos right so i think of many of my sales brethren of, of being comfortable in that chaos of abandonment right and that fear of having uh to perform to be okay and to you know to uh receive approval um uh, that conditional love stuff but that's all kind of based in that fear of abandonment so for me it was like you know parents who were uh, deeply dysfunctional my mom had ptsd from stuff that happened to her as a child my dad had ptsd from stuff that happened to him as a police officer um those two things combined into like a lot a lot of family dysfunction that really i really really like as the years went on felt abandoned by my parents um there's years where i didn't talk to my dad at all um uh, there were years where things were just really weird with my mom um and, and so so like that really came out uh in my adult relationships with my wife where you know, the, my biggest behavior that I did um, was agree to do something, but not actually with no intent of actually doing it just to appease my wife in the moment. Right. So so I didn't have to face that fear of abandonment because I wasn't going to do something that she wanted to do um, or asked me to do you know, without realizing that that was actually worse. Like agreeing to something and not doing it was actually worse than like facing the thing of like oh no i'm not going to get this stuff i'm not going to clean the kitchen today or not going to do this today right so like that's where those behaviors really came out for me um they come out for me now uh when i like want to control my wife or want to make sure that she gets enough sleep uh, or or all the little things i might like have done to try to make that better right um uh, and my fear of abandon comes up when I try to like, like where I like do things that like, like as a partner, I need to do in our marriage uh, with the expectation that Julia, like my wife is going to be impressed by it or somehow feel like, oh man, like, like this is amazing. Like, like and influence my wife to kind of get approval from her. But that's all circled around in that like fear of abandonment thought for me where uh, like you know i'm gonna do this because this is going to happen so and that's really where it shows up for me the most is in these complex expectations i put on people where i think that like if i perform x i will get you know y out of this relationship uh rather than it being hey like for me to contribute well to this endeavor that i'm doing with uh, work or with uh, my wife or my kids or whatever for me to contribute my best into the situation the way god wants me to i need to do this and it's not with a like i'm not doing it from an expectation standpoint um and i think that's where i get myself in the deepest ruts is when i do that so um that was a really long intro uh i'll like let logan go ahead and uh put in his uh two cents here as we communicate so yeah i was you know just um just kind of thinking about this yeah i i 
just thinking about you know fear of abandonment and i think the way it the way it comes up in my life is that um you know in relationships i'll often i'll often give too much in a relationship uh, and not you know not feel comfortable creating boundaries um because there's a fear of there's a fear of rejection there's a fear of abandonment that someone's going to that someone's going to, you know, sacrifice the relationship. Um, and if I have even sometimes reasonable boundaries, um, and this is, you know, this has been something that's kind of that I've had to deal with, you know, my, my entire life and not from something I think in particularly traumatic or anything like that, but, you know, my, uh, in, you know, my upbringing, you know, I had, I had people who, you know, I had parents who, um, we're, you know, we're trying their best, but I think every parent is, is carrying something from, you know, from their experiences, uh, especially my mom. I mean, she came from a, a very tumultuous and, um, her, her father was, was, uh, an, an army sergeant during Korea and had his entire unit wiped out a couple of times and was like a sole survivor and had all of that guilt and coming from him and PTSD that they didn't even know was PTSD at that time. So it created a very chaotic and sort of ver- verbally and borderline physically abusive uh, uh, situation. And so there was always this, uh, you know, this, this pressure to perform that that comes from, that came from that and also just the way my personality is. And then you, you know, you, you grow up and you get into relationships, you get into an, an intimate relationship with your wife, you have kids and you have relationships with them. And then you're just carrying this thing of, well, if people really knew what I was really like, if they really knew my thought life, or they really knew, you know, what I think about other people sometimes, or, you know, what I think about myself, they would, they would never, they would walk away. And so that, that you know, that, that roots down inside of you, and then it forces you to, to go to places or, or it encourages you to go to places where, and get into relationships where you're probably extending yourself beyond where your boundaries should be. Um, and it took you know, reading a book called Boundaries and, and talking to my my sister-in-law has been incredible for me because she has is always encouraging me that, Logan, you need to have boundaries, even boundaries that probably mean that I'm you know, not doing as many things that would benefit her as 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 if I didn't. Um, but I think that's that that's sort of the, the way that it, it manifests in my life where I have to be careful in my in my relationships that I'm, that I'm doing things for people or I'm that I want to do and not just things that I think that they would really like that if I did. Um, it's interesting because, um, in, you know, my primary relationship, my most, you know, one of my most important relationships is my relationship with my wife. And she does not understand this at all because, you know, she's a personality where, um, you know, I don't, we haven't, we haven't really gotten to the Enneagram on this podcast, but I, I use it very heavily. It's like the lens that I see a lot of human behavior through in life ever since I discovered it probably about five years ago. And, um, you know, she's what they call a self-preservation subtype and she's a one, which means she wants to be right. But the self-preservation is like, she's really only focused on herself, not, not in a selfish way, but she is always examining her behavior herself to find that if it's acceptable and so she's not really it's not that she doesn't care but she's not focused on other people's approval of her she's focused on her own approval of her to her own standard and so i constantly need this 
<laughs> probably to her feels like this unending need for approval and you know for her to tell me that i'm doing okay or tell me that she appreciates me and she's probably rolling her eyes going what is wrong with this dude because it's just not how she's built um but you know i i crave that i crave that you know you know i look over at her every once in a while and be like do you still love me she's probably like what is your problem dude you know i mean uh you know and that's kind of how it manifests for me but it's certainly certainly something that i think a lot of people wrestle with certainly oh all right there i'll kick it over to you dell yeah so it's funny because you look at just the term before digging in you know when i when we when i found out it was going to be about abandonment i'm like i have no fear i love being alone which i actually do i go camping by myself i do all of these things right and but that's not really how it relates right i'm you know, it's great that you can be alone and you love being alone. I love going and eating lunch by myself at the lake and those things, but it's completely different when you address the fear. That's my ego speaking, right? Oh, I can be alone. Um, but when I look at, you know, the seeking of approval and what I do and how I, you know, we just talked about it before the podcast that, uh, the chaotic life that I live, I'm completely overcommitted. And a lot has to do with that fear of, of people, um, you know, if I don't do these things, then will people like me, right? Will they accept me? Um, and so it's, it's, it's that challenge, right? On the surface, you can say I can be alone, et cetera, et cetera. But the reality is I'm, you know, went through the six-year rut that I, or the three-year rut or four-year rut of addiction, um, twice in rehab, everything. And when you really peel that onion back, it's always fear. It's seeking approval and, you know, seeking abandonment of, of people not liking me, people um, not approving of me, right? And so um, I just, I, and I see that all day, right? And a lot of times, you know, I want to make sure the house is clean. I want to make sure the backyard's clean. We've got animals. We know what that cleaning entails, right? So um, just overcommitting, seeking approval because you just do not want to feel that abandonment. So, I mean, that's really how it's resonating to me on the, on this topic today. Yeah. Just yeah. a comment there. The, I, I, I caught myself doing this the other day. I was trying to explain to, I was trying to explain to somebody because every once in a while in my relationships, I'll say something that's like a little bit shocking. And you know that it's going to kind of shock people, but it's, it's, it's a legitimate thought that I have. But what I'll do is I'll kind of like, hey, what if I said this, you know, because I actually, you know, there's a part of me that actually thinks this has entertained this thought at some point, but you know that it's going to be a little bit, you know, not disturbing, but like kind of, you know, you have this kind of, I have this well-scripted narrative that I know the people, you know, how they perceive me. And sometimes I know that the way that they perceive me is a little bit not necessarily true and so like hang a little bit of truth out there and see can they take the truth of of the way my mind really works and then if they if they're shocked and they reject that and then it's like oh you know it was just a joke or you know or something like that and then you're like okay this person isn't safe they may they may reject me if they knew who i really was and if they like they accept that little truth that you said you know so you somehow deviate from the the social idea of what you should believe or think politically or do whatever 
And then, you know, the, oh man, this, maybe this person can handle the real me. And then you like, you know, this, then you hang that dangle, that other little thing out there. It's kind of interesting. Um, you know, I catch myself doing that. So in relationships and oh, hey, well, let me see how much truth they can take until they really reject me. Because at your core, you're like, yeah, they really knew all the crazy stuff that goes on in my head, man. They'd walk away. <laughs> There's people like me who are like black sheepish or Enneagram eights who are just like, Meh, I'm going to be super, super, super prickly when you first meet me. Uh, and just like lay it all out there. And if you can get past that first meeting with me, then everything's okay. Right. Was, there's like, I don't know. That's the self-defense mechanism for, I guess, for, uh, for me is like, I'm, I'm not going to let you get close enough for you uh, to ever have the ability to feel like you could abandon me. Uh, so I'm just going to be prickly from the get go, you know? And um, like, as I've healed and I've become, more mature like i i don't really have that self-defense mechanism but i do have the tendency to be like eh, i'm just going to say the truth uh on this one um as a loving way as i possibly can and and go across that really rickety bridge so um i reflect back to having to pray in the car ride with you like of like three four weeks into our relationship of like do i do i say this thing about fear motivating anger I guess I have to, right? And but it was like I don't know that that's just what I do. I guess I just part of who I am. Uh, it was just kind of the inverse of like I'm just gonna push you away. Like I'm gonna take care of you rejecting me by pushing you away to make sure it happens. Well, that's classic behavior too of rejecting others before they have a chance of rejecting you. Yeah, right? it's you know it's not something I generally engage in. For me, it's more about currying favor, even at the cost of the truth or, you know, or boundaries or whatever, but it's the, it's really at the, at its core, the same fear when people pre pre reject others that they think will eventually reject them. It's the, the same core fear that you're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it comes up in so many of the things that we've talked about so far and this part of the podcast and the spiritual inventory, right? Um, this is almost one of those things that as you're doing your inventory and you like say like I try to control my wife and then it was like eventually you'll get to like the last columns and it'll be um because I was afraid of her abandoning me so I did this right and so it's like that's the deep thing underneath like this huge thing and so as you do this like work over and over again and um uh, you get to those points there where you're doing that stuff um, and like what did producing you spiritually or what was the underlying reason behind this action? Like this is one of the, be one of those big ones that you'll just like chunk stuff into the bucket over and over and over and over again. Um, because it's just such a huge motivator for us in our life, the fear. And then now the, we're talking about fear of abandonment. Um, we're such social creatures. We have these, distinct needs that have built into us um especially as children into adolescence um because we we need to learn how to interface with the crazy scary world well and so and that's just really hard to do as a parent to help through that so there's like all these like circular things right there um sometimes i feel like um things were better for us when 
uh, we hadn't conquered so much of nature and nature was a like imminent threat all the time. Uh, and you could like die from just about anything. Um, sometimes I think like that was like, like balanced us way better in our relationships. Right. Of, of like we're we have to stick together otherwise this environment we're in is going to kill us um and now we don't really have those external threats at all right we have the perception of external threats of the future we have the perception that like oh you know our like you know our political party is going to lose and then like the whole world's going to crumble um the perception like that this person's over here's progressive thoughts or conservative thoughts are going to harm me. Like just all this other stuff there, right. That is just kind of crazy externalizations of this fear. Um, that's kind of ingrained in us when we were like out there conquering big, scary things. And we're like, you know, going across the oceans or hunting for food or any of the things that we don't do anymore. We're not connected to anymore. So um it's definitely a thing now where it's just like uh, it feels like our tribes have gotten much smaller um and we're only really in intimate relationships with a few people and you know it's harder to have that neighborhood or small tribe of people that you really connect with um you know that's that's one of those things i think about a lot of how do we do that better because I just feel us getting more and more isolated all the time as a society. And that I think leads to this fear getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think that's, that's why, even though it's, I mean, that's why I think I prioritize my church community so much and spending time there and, and investing in it is because, you know, those, those communities and those tribes that we, can belong to have are have become much much more difficult to find. I mean, you know, they they aren't physical. It's not your you know, it's much less like the, the neighborhood you grew up in. I remember the neighborhood I grew up in, even though it was very rural. Like all the friends on my street, even like we would all hang out. <laughs> you know, we went to the local school, and you know, a lot of our hanging out was done outside. You know, we'd ride our bikes around and get into trouble, and and then now it's much more around interest and it's not as dependent on on geography for like for my kids etc so it's it's just a different you know it's it's a shift that really prioritizes the 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 social connections that are available the um you know you got to make the best use of those or else you know you can kind of go along life without having any of them then it just puts us in a place that's very precarious in our life very vulnerable when we don't have them yeah um one of the things that i found um that that is something that that comes directly from like jesus right the the love your neighbor as yourself portion of it it was something my wife is extremely good at and um i've just really come to embrace and you know, um, I walk a lot. Uh, I try to get those 10,000 steps in a day, walking through my neighborhood, uh, walking down to where I can work together with my business partners and stuff. And um, just, I just have these wonderful conversations with so many of the people in my neighborhood 
we'd hang out on our French porch and they walked by and we talked to them. And, you know, we did that a lot in our old neighborhood where I just walked around and I ended up talking to people. There was a, a person in my old neighborhood that loved woodworking and I saw a shop and I just came up and started talking to him. He became a good friend of mine and just like, you know, like, hey, how are you doing this one? How are you doing this one? We talk about all the different uh, things we were doing to like our house and like the things we we're building and um, moving across country. That was like sad for me that I was losing that community, but we got embraced by this community right here right away. Like I know all my neighbors, I talk to them every time I see them when they come out and it's just this really conscious thing of I'm, uh, you know, when I go for a walk in the neighborhood with my dog or by myself, like, I'm never really alone. Like I'll put in my headphones to listen to a podcast and I never get more than like five minutes of the podcast in. Cause I'll end up just talking to so many people as I walk by. Um, and that like having that wider community for me, um, always, always helps. Right. Um, one of the things I learned in recovery early on, uh, is this thought process that, loneliness is a choice um whenever i feel lonely i'm like oh yeah it's because i haven't called my friend logan or i haven't called dell or i've been like i spent a week working by myself in my home office and i didn't make sure i was seeing my business partners face to face i wasn't doing those things right and when i do those things i just function better i have less of this fear of being abandoned because i'm like connecting all the time to all these different places right um, so that's what I do as a practical thing, uh, to address this one thing here is really intentionally, uh, develop relationships, um, with the people that God puts directly around me. And then like with you both, I felt God telling me like, yeah, don't, don't abandon that relationship. You guys are far away. Um, but like, keep that relationship. Those are both really, really important people to stay connected to. Yep. And then circling on that, Todd, I, um, it's funny because you, you know, we talked about how, um, you know, fear and, and it drives the abandonment. It's, um, I feel that way too. I feel like I, there's a calling for me around God and the people that have just parachuted into my life. Right. And, you know, I have this really chaotic life. I'm doing a lot of really things. And I think that, um, that is another form of almost addiction to me of, of having chaos going person to person. And then I stop and I look and I go, well, what am I doing? And is it enough? Right. Am I going to meetings to help others, to tell my story, to try to help them, you know, and that's not what I'm doing. I'm doing community service. I'm coaching football, you know, cooking, cleaning, doing all that kind of stuff. And so, you can do all these things and still have that fear of abandonment of, you know, are the people who are guiding me through my spiritual journey, are they going to get, you know, sick of me, you know, spending two and a half hours coaching football rather than going to a meeting and, and things like that. And I think about it all the time and it, am I doing enough? Right. I was wake woken up by our new puppy genius idea, right. Get a puppy. Um, and so woken up by the puppy and then you get into that cycle of, oh man, I got to get up at this time 
to, you know, be here, right. To, to share and, and, and talk about the experience and, you know, then you get in that cycle. Oh, am I going to be tired? Am I going to be good? Is it going to be, you know, how am I going to seek approval there? Right. And so it's, it's not just that, you know, on paper, I'm doing a lot for the family, the community. And, and, and so then you just ask yourself, I'm doing so much, but am I doing the right things? Right. And that's where I struggle. So um, just rounding that into the, the theme of the, the day, that's, what I'm experiencing today. Yeah. Um, I think on you too, like you're also really well attuned to the external pressures that get placed on your kids. Yeah. Um, right. And you're like, like, man, don't, don't do that. Cause like, you know, he's, you know, your your kids aren't going to be able to live up to every external expectation, right? They're human. And, like, you don't want them to have to go through that. So, um, yeah, I just, yeah, like, I just see that with what, with what you're going through right now of having some pretty big external expectations placed on your children, right? So, yeah. uh, that's a big deal, right? And, um yeah, like it'd be because there that there's a there's a lot underlying that like if you don't perform, we're not going to accept you anymore. We're going to blame you for our feelings, right? Um, and yeah, I I see the yeah. dad coming out and doing that all the time right now. Um, <laughs> on right? on every on every Friday, right? And and you know yeah. it's um it's one of those things as parents, we're constantly seeking affirmation for our kids. And I see it twofold, right? I see mm -hmm. it as I coach when the parents approach me, why isn't little Johnny playing? Um, and then I see it with, with my own kids who are, you know, today is uh, it's a big day, right? You got the homecoming, you got in-laws in town, buddy driving in from Montana, everything to see these, to see this big game and you know it's it's you want that affirmation as as a parent you know you want to be proud um and i and i see it in both directions and and so fridays is always the weight on the shoulder day and i will tell you what helps me every single time is to talk to it talk about it with another man right and so those those fears of that affirmation and being included and you know what if we don't do and meet expectations are we abandoned then right so it's hard yeah so um i don't know for me like some of the conversations you had the last couple of days just made that pop into my head I'm like oh this is what tristan what tells exactly going through right now and it's not necessarily this like personal one-on-one -on -one, one it's like this community-wide thing right because like everybody's discovered how how talented your kid is all of a sudden right you're and it's something you've known for a really long time and you just look like hey man like I, I love you no matter what and go have fun and try your best um and now all of a sudden everybody's like like who's this who's this person right like yeah like right and um and so yeah like i don't know you're doing a really, really good job of of doing that well. So I commend you for 
how well you're doing that and you know you know seeing how things are so yeah um, thanks yeah and then based on the look on logan's face right now i i need to kick it over to him because i think he has something to talk about too no i just i mean that that's a, a, a big part of being a parent is right just creating situations where our children can experience success you know so that builds that confidence that that you know that will carry them through life and you know that and so it's it's difficult because you put them in situations where they can be successful and then when they are successful and there's there's that level of expectation going forward you know for them to continue to be successful and then other people will pick that up too i mean that's i've that was something that in my one of my mentors that i that i served on eldership with for a long time steve used to always say is that you know, don't allow because when you're in a position of leadership, especially in the church, like everyone, it's different. It's not, you know, people look at your kids and they just expect them to be perfect. And if they're not perfect, they judge you as a parent or as a, you know, as a leader, or they just are, can oftentimes be very harsh um, with kids, especially, you know, pastors, kids. And, you know, that, that, that's why, you know, pastors' kids, I think, have like one of the reputations for being some of the wildest kids sometimes when they do rebel because, you know, their entire community that they're deeply embedded in is disappointed in them. And when they start to feel that way, then it's like, well, screw it. I'm just going to, you know, am I going to blow up then? Um, and so I've been very acutely aware of that for for many years of people's expectations. And and I feel it all the time. I mean, my people are more critical of my children in, in, in the church than they are of anybody else's children. Um, Cause everyone's looking at them and, you know, they're my product, you know, so they're like, you know, they're kind of determining whether or not, you know, I'm l- living what I preach by looking at my kids. And so I feel that, that, that what you're talking about Dell very acutely. Um, and, and sometimes when I do kind of get very irritated or get short with people, it's because that I know they, they've said something critical about my kids or trying to give me feedback or something like that, even though I wouldn't dare give them feedback about their parenting. Um, and it's like, it, it feels unfair and it, it feels it's harsh. And, and I, and I, you know, I don't want to, you know, you that protective, you know, that protective parental stuff starts coming out and you're like, dude, I will take your head off. You, know, you can say whatever you want about me. I'm okay. I've, I've signed up for your criticism, but my kids are just my kids. But Steve used to always say, he goes, don't allow people to like, you have to go out of your way. He's like, don't allow people to set the, an expectation on your kids. That is unreasonable. Like at every opportunity, when they, when they say something like that, you need to correct them and say, Hey, my kid is just a kid. They're just a kid. Oh. Like any other kid, they, you know, be, just because of their association with me or in your case, Dell, just because they have an incredible athletic gift, they're still a kid. And, you know, you have to remind people of that because people can like their expectation, unmet expectations are a killer of relationships. And we know that in marriage um, and then with our kids too, like, you know, they, we have to protect them from yep. other people's expectations because they can be very powerful. Yep. Yep. So you're doing the right thing by taking it seriously and thinking about it. A lot of people just, I think they just go through life and they just go, they just enjoy the accolades. They just enjoy yep. the attention, not thinking like, Hey, wait a minute. What, is, what impact does this have on my child? Can I help them yeah. process what, what can I help them process failure and success? Both of which yep. could be 
tough. Yep. The only words I, yeah. And the only words I speak after any event is I love to watch you play. And we leave it at that. I have never once come home and told my kid, he should have done this. He should have done that. He's getting that from other people. Right. So Mm -hmm. just processing it. That's awesome. uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the things I have to coach my wife on. Uh, like when she's watching our kids play soccer and she'll like shout to do something. I'm like, no, no, he's actually exactly where he's supposed to be. He's in his assigned spot. That is like, like where he's supposed to be in the field. Like he's not supposed to go like running down the field to do something else. Like my kid who just ran down the field and scored a goal. Well, he was supposed to be like an entirely different spot. Right. Like, uh, and so uh so those are some of the things i have to like coach on like or even myself i'm like huh i'm pretty sure he's supposed to be someplace else right now i'm not going to be the coach on the sideline right um but but, like like for me tying this all back together um there is just like that fear of abandonment is just underlying so many things um when we delve into behaviors, right? When we delve into a behavior that's going on with our children, when we delve delve into a behavior that's happening in any per interpersonally among groups of people or within a church or neighborhood or organization or any of those things, um, like doing this work and getting down to what that is, so so you can deal with it with God take take intentional steps uh so we have close relationships we're not just relying on one person we have three or four people that are really 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 close uh, that we can call and get through any situation with um and we have communities that, that that we're able to talk to and have acquaintances and all these things those things are things that really bolster us to be able to like have these types of things where we can like know this came from fear of abandonment have people to talk to you know Dell talked about that's what he does like talk to there that's what i do i talk to the people i know that's what logan does even though he didn't explicitly say it like so there's a lot of things you can do even though you haven't done like all this other stuff we're talking about eventually in the steps or any of those things it's a really practical thing we can do right now uh, while you're doing this work and, and, and everything is just have close relationships that you trust that you can talk to about these issues with and just like have somebody around that you can do those things right i think that's a really really huge deal in doing this type of stuff it's not something that we do alone i've talked about that before but like when we get to something like this that's why it's such a big deal right is there and you know and just keeping in that space and that trusting that god is going to take care of us we don't have to take care of it ourselves right because that's that's a hard thing that that's why we, i talked you know, the very first kind of episode about like i'm not god and you're not god either right it's because i know we're going to get into these really uncomfortable spaces uh where like every cell of our being is screaming like take control of this because 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 we're not going to get what we need and then instead of doing the exact opposite thing and putting our trust into god that god's going to give us everything we need and we can trust that when he asks us to do something crazy like walk around 
Jericho and blow trumpets to have the walls fall down, that's actually going to work. So, um, you know, uh, I remember telling somebody years ago, like, yeah, like, you know, I just asked my wife, like, what does she need, right, in a situation? And, and, you know, she says, just listen, and I just listen. She's happy. And I have, I remember a guy going, that works? That, like, really works? I'm like, yeah, if I do what my wife asked, like, when I said, what do you need in the situation? She says, just to listen, don't try to fix it. Yeah, it works really, really well. You know, until she says, like, what would you do? And then I give things in there, and I can say, do, like, stuff. But, like, when I ask those things, that works, right? And I had an argument yesterday with my wife because I came downstairs and there was intense things. And uh, I heard her say like one of my sons need to get ready for soccer. So I just started ready and started helping him get ready for soccer. And uh, she didn't know that that's what I was doing. Right. I didn't have that like 30 second conversation of what do you need? And boom. Right. And there's an argument because of that. So those are the things like we gain the autonomies to be able to do stuff. And let's have really radically different outcomes in life. So um, that would be my encouragement to everybody is like continue all these things that you've learned and continue reaching out and establishing relationships because this work will just lead to deeper and deeper relationships and more and more satisfaction in your life. Yeah, I come to this. Uh, I wanted to share this verse, Psalm 9, 10 and 11. It says, your loyal followers trust in you, for you, Lord, do not abandon those who seek your help. Sing praises to the Lord who rules in Zion. Tell the nations what he has done. They, you, the Lord does not abandon those who seek his help. Yeah. And so that's a yeah. I read that every once in a while to remind myself that hey, you're not in this alone. Yeah. And that that's one person that that's one relationship that you can always count on will always be there. Like, I always tell people on Sundays ago the Lord is fully extended toward you at all times. He's like reaching out. He never, ever withdraws, not even an inch. Any, any distance we feel in our relationship with him is distance that we create. And so we have just, but to change our focus and then he's fully extended toward us. So that helps somebody out there. (laughs) It helps me. Yeah. uh, It helped me. So, that's good. It's like, especially the last part, part to all the nations, what uh, he's done. Like, I know that that's like, that's like the last step of the, the 12 steps, right? Is to having had a spiritual experience as a result of these steps, uh, we share our experience, strength, and hope with others, right? Like, that is like huge. And I just totally massacred what that actual step was. I I'd have to read it to make sure it's perfect. But, um, that that's what it's about right like we we've done these things and we have to they're it's produced so much good in us that we can't help but uh sharing um ourselves so um yeah so well i i think that's probably a good stopping point today thank you so much guys for joining me um you want to pray us out, Dell? I'm just going to keep on asking every week if you want to or not. But yeah, but I, I'm going with that. my. Well, I, this is my second one, but I, you know, when uh, when something resonates and it's your morning 
ritual, you, uh, you stick with it, right? So what I do in the morning is this one. So God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. 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 Thanks, guys. Cheers.